Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Liz Schwartzel has seen lots of kindness in the classroom, and for the past 16 years, she's gotten to teach in the same school district in which she first learned to share and care. Liz says kindness comes naturally to kids in the most important ways and needs to be taught on a daily basis in the most basic ways. Liz, I love to refer to you as my sister wife. <laughs> I'm not sure that's super appropriate, but um, you know what? We've never been really, um, nobody's ever accused us of being all that appropriate, right? Yes, so I think that's why we get along so well. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason I really, I love to refer to you as my sister wife is because I really feel like kindness exists within community. So none of us can do it all alone. And when I moved to Ohio three years ago, you were one of the very first people that I met. Mm -hmm. And I really found a safe place in you to be able to say, hey, I see this need. I want to help. I don't know how to help. Can you help me help? And then you reciprocated and said, hey, you know, I see this need. Can you help me help that? Do you, you, you get what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was definitely meant to be, and it's been such a wonderful blessing. Yes. And you're a teacher in the Athens uh, School District, which makes it even more fun because then we get to be surrounded by kids all the time, and my kids are in your classroom, and, you know, I'm volunteering in the school, and I see things that are going on too. But that's kind of what I wanted to talk with you a little bit about today because I think that there's a whole lot of kindness that happens in the schools Absolutely. That we, as parents, maybe don't know about or recognize. And I didn't even realize that there's a plan implemented to teach kindness in the schools. There's absolutely a curriculum to teach kindness in the schools, 100%. Tell, tell me about that. Well, our school has adopted a responsive classroom model. Actually, I shouldn't say our school. Our district has adopted a responsive classroom model. Um, and the responsive classroom mat model um, is a curriculum that is focused on on teaching kids how to interact with one another in a positive way, how to um, just how to work in a classroom that doesn't really require a lot of discipline because when you put all the components in place, kids really just fall right into place and, 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 and do what they're supposed to do. But gosh, so. how do you do that when you're trying to also teach? Because you guys have a lot of stuff that you have to teach in those months of school. So where does this model fit in on a daily basis? What are the nuts and bolts of that? Well, the premise actually is is that you, it's, you spend the first six weeks of school really, really setting up all of the routines and all of the procedures. And you don't do a lot of academics. And then once, you, But you earn that six weeks back throughout the school year because everything else, once you establish this, everything else is going to be so much easier. You're, you're going to fight the battle in the beginning, essentially. And and then lots of battles won't have to be fought later because you have put you have implemented these um, these components. Isn't that kind yeah. of the way with parenting too? It's like if your kids know that you're going to stand behind the threat that you yeah. made them. <laughs> Absolutely, there is there is yeah. Parenting and teaching are very closely related on a lot of levels. <laughs> Tell me about the acronym that that you use to teach class kindness in the classroom. So I use a CARES acronym, and um, and, and and as as do hopefully anybody that's. Using Using responsive classroom, um, the C in cares starts stands for cooperation, and so we might spend a month 
maybe not a month. Um, it'll come up several times throughout the month, but maybe a week talking about what cooperation is, what does it look like, what does it sound like. We'll have kids model it with one another. Um, we'll have students modeling it even as um, as much as when they're getting their materials out or how they put their materials away and things like that. We, we model, 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 model everything. What does it look like? What does it sound like? Um, and then there's also several picture books and that we read in our morning meetings that focus on they have the characters are cooperating in the picture books and then we stop the book after the at the end or in the middle or whenever and how are these characters cooperating what does that look like and and then really kind of teach it that way um, the a is for assertion um, and we definitely talk about the difference between being assertive and aggressive um, oh yeah we have but how important it is to be assertive and to be confident and to say what you need um, and how to do that with friends and and with teachers and and what it looks like, sounds like. Again, there's a lot of what it looks like, sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then again, there's we have several books that go along with those. Kevin Hankey's comes to mind as an author that has a lot of books. Um, Lily and her little purple pur- purple plastic purse, and you know she feels so confident and assertive in that book, and um, talk about the character and how she's acting and things like that. Um, and then the R is for responsibility. So we talk a lot about responsibility and what that means. And there's also, you know, things that go along with that. Can you come to my house and teach that to my youngest, Ben, because he likes to leave his shoes? I finally said to him, hey, Ben, if I were to take all of my shoes and I were to put them on the floor of your bedroom, would that be OK with you? And he said, what? No, that would be horrible, mom. And I said, huh. So how do you think it makes me feel when you leave your shoes? Listen, I hear you. I say this to kids all the time. If this, I can only imagine what your bedroom looks like. I can only imagine. But this is not how we have our, what our classroom looks like. There's too many of you to do that, you know. So yeah. I, I do. I feel you. Um, So the responsibility part is important. And then E is for empathy? E is for empathy, yes. And so, of course, just we just are doing our very best to teach kids how to see life through another's eyes and how to really try to understand what it means to feel for somebody else. What's the S for? The F is for for self-control. Okay. Yeah. I'm working on that one still. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. Me too. (laughs) You know, okay, so the E with empathy. And by the way, you are a third grade teacher. So this is happening within the elementary school, Mm -hmm. right? It starts in kindergarten? Yes. And goes all the way Mm -hmm. up through sixth grade in our school system, at least. Yeah. So the E for empathy. Now, this is tricky because I love kindness. And other than demonstrating and trying to get my kids to understand what it feels like and that kind of joy and that high you get when mm-hmm. you're kind to somebody else. I don't know. It's It seems like it's hard to get kids to lock into that. I want to do something kind for others mm-hmm. just because. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is. It is It is not something that comes naturally to a lot of kids. Now, some kids, as you and I well know, it does. Um, but other kids, it doesn't always come naturally to it, and it's something that that, that can be taught over and over again. Um, and, you know, I, I know that I gave you part of your birthday present. Yeah, <laughs> part, she says. And here's why she's going to say she gave part um, of my birthday present. So, Where's the rest so of my— So I bought you the book Hallelujah Anyway by Anne Lamott. <laughs> However, um, I was in my car waiting for my kids at a practice one day and started reading it, and so now it's a little bit late. <laughs> but I did bring it for you today. And the reason I'm bringing it up now is because— when I'm thinking, this book is, has a lot to do with mercy, and so it talks a lot about how really mercy is the ultimate kindness, mm-hmm. and um, there's a lot of it about in the book about um, about forgiveness and how 
in this day and age that forgiveness is kind of seen as a weakness by a lot of people, but really it's the ultimate mercy and it really sets us free. And I think it all relates to kindness. And I think I was mentioning to you earlier that what I notice is, is that you don't have to teach kids to forgive each other. You don't have to teach kids to move on quickly, to not hold a grudge, to say, you know, to they might be throwing rocks at each other on the playground and then you know, somebody gets hurt and somebody's crying and they come up and they talk to the teacher. The teacher talks to them about it. And literally 15 minutes later, you, you see those two kids sliding down the slide together. You know, there's no there's no grudges. Adults t- seem to be the ones that want to hold the grudges and, yeah. and, and really weigh this stuff down. Kids ultimately set themselves free all the time by forgiving each other. And so while empathy and kindness are harder to teach, it seems like mercy comes naturally to them. So... Um, Gosh, where do we lose that along the way? Because it's so true. I You keep a list, a running tally in your head of the things people have done to you. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, and you wear it around and it's heavy on your shoulders, you know, mm-hmm. it really is. And so as we have so much to teach kids, I think we also have to remember how much kids have to teach us, you know. That's true. So. That brings um, to mind, we have uh, a trio of families. So your family and my family and another family in town are all very close. And we work, we work together in kindness a lot. And it was interesting because when we first moved here, uh, it was three years ago. And mm-hmm. my kids were, let's see, I, I, I'm really bad at math. They're seven, <laughs> they're seven <laughs> 11, and 13 now. So let's see, right? Charlie we're was gonna in second grade, right? Four, <laughs> that's right. We're going to go four and eight and 10. Yeah. So uh, my eight-year-old is a little bit shy and a little bit reserved. And um, it was interesting because there was a family, this third family in our trio mm-hmm. that I was talking about, who lived down the hill and around the corner from us. And this little, there was an eight-year-old boy in that house, and he would ride his bike up every day, and he kind of would do a lap when the moving van was there, Mm kind of checking things out. And then he'd go back home, and then he'd come back. Well, about uh, two days later, he came up with uh, another little girl who was staying at that house as well. There's a grandmother who lives there and has um, four kids that she watches and and who live with her. But anyway, so... um, this little boy comes up with another little girl who's living there and a bike that is just got a chain hanging from it. It's all rusty. I mean, I don't even know how many previous owners this little bike has seen. But he comes up and he knocks on the door of our house and he said, excuse me, can I borrow some tools? And I said, uh, sure. What, what are you doing? You know, can I help you with this? And so we work on this little bike. And, and then my son, Charlie, comes out. And all of a sudden, this little boy and Charlie are fast friends, just, you know, best buddies. And they're playing together every single day. Well, during this time that they're playing together, I'm realizing that there's a, a lot of trouble that's happening in that household and um, a lot of just a, a lot of hurt, a lot of poverty. And um, and so I'm kind of getting to know the situation a little bit. But so school comes around. And I, I keep thinking about how much this little boy has taught me about stepping out of my comfort zone to be kind by coming up to our house and knocking on the door and then inviting my son to play again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it's it's ha- haven't you learned just so much? 
I have, yeah. I mean, as you know, I well, I, I have had a very similar experience as you. I mean, my my son um, is dyslexic and, and and he has some anxiety issues. And so when he was in kindergarten, he literally didn't speak for oh. his kindergarten year. I think his teacher probably he answered his teacher basically mm-hmm. with one word sent one word here and there. Um, and then he went into first grade and he had a diagnosis with dyslexia and started to, to make some progress and, and talk a little bit more and had a better year, but it was still rough. And then uh, when he got into second grade, he had um, a teacher who I'm very close with, who is also just an outstanding, exceptional person and teacher who really understood his needs. And she spent... Um, a, she a, probably a month long doing just a unit on kids with special needs of all different sorts, mm-hmm. all kinds of literature she used and everything else, which really brought him out of his shell enough that he actually was in the class with the same little boy that you're sp- talking about. So this was just probably six months prior to when you're to your time timeline before you guys moved here. Wow, I believe it's all by design. Of course, I think that we were so blessed, yeah. um, and. And so once he met this little boy, I went from, like, watching my heart walk around on the playground by himself to watching my son have a friend to play with. And 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 we had a similar situation and, and when he would come to our house and when we would do different sporting events and things with him that on teams that he was – on the same teams that they were on. Uh, we just found that he was teaching us so many wonderful lessons and was just – our house was happier when he was in it. Yes. And it's you know? funny because mm-hmm. I know, you know, he needs a new pair of mm-hmm. shoes for baseball or basketball mm-hmm. or something. And one of us will go buy him a new pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. And they seem to think that we're doing them an act of kindness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're really giving us so much. I know. Uh-huh. You don't understand. Like, yeah. we are benefiting way more yeah. from this than than the other way around. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then it was just so much fun for me to, to meet you and know that we were coincidentally had the same little boy in common and now all yeah. three all three of these boys are just like little little brothers running around and just really just a great great friends yeah and I like how you say that like the household is just happier when mm-hmm. when that tribe is around together um, okay so would you share with everybody um, <laughs> maybe a time when you were not so kind or at least you felt like you weren't so kind when your husband was the one who oh yes yeah. Share that story with this us. This story can actually be found in my dear friend Nicole's book, Kindness is Contagious. <gasps> oh, I love that book. I've heard of that book. Kindness is Contagious, 100 Stories to Remind You God is Good and So Are Most People. Um, and it's another way that um, that Nicole, that you gave me a gift, um, and, and similar to what we were talking about, it was forgiveness and it was mercy. Um, because on Christmas Eve a few years ago, my husband, there was a man that came into church and he was sitting by himself with a hoodie on. Um, through the service. And after the service, um, he was definitely stood out and was noticeable. And I hoped that he would get some, you know, some of the refreshments that were offered. And, and you know, I didn't really want to think too much more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband, on the other hand, um, offered him to come stay at our house. And we have... Um, and your husband, just to interject, is so good about talking to anybody. Yes. He loves yes. to talk to people. He wants to know everything about everybody for sure. Uh-huh. It's awesome. <laughs> and so um, so we have um, – at the time we had a bed and breakfast and a, and a part of the bed and breakfast we have a lodge that people can stay at. So he invited him to come stay in our lodge. Um, and he did not ask me first and he told me and I was very upset about it. And from – I mean just the mama bear came out in me and I was thinking of all the worst possible case scenario things that could have happened with this stranger 
coming to our house. Well, because you you are literally riding in a car. It's you and your husband and mm-hmm. your three children yes. on Christmas Eve. Yes. And this strange ho- homeless man. Yes. I don't know he's uh-huh. if he's strange or not, but he's a stranger. A stranger, yes, yes. So all of you are uh-huh. leaving the church yes. together in your car. And my kids are well aware that I'm not happy. They're like, what's going on? And in the car, the whole entire way home, my husband and this man are literally quoting scripture back and forth. Scripture that I, that I had never heard of, that I was um, I have never memorized, that I'm not that well versed in. Both of them are, you know, going back and forth and quoting scripture. Um, my, my in-laws were also at the service, and I think— picked up on my feelings about the situation. Um, and had I not been so, take, had my husband given me, in my defense, given me a little bit of notice, I probably would have processed similar mm-hmm. to the way that they, that they did. And, and so they shortly pulled up after we gotten him and settled into the lodge. Um, they they pulled up shortly after and had found a hotel room for him to stay, to take him to back to. Oh. Um, there was a lot, I, I had a lot of, a lot of feelings about it all year long though, really, because I felt so, part of me was so, really so admired my husband for really um, taking the message of the season and and Jesus and the whole you know the whole thing and and really not putting that aside and not um, any fears aside and believe and having faith and um, and then I also had a lot of feelings about the fact the fact that I was angry and selfish and I was wondering you know what are we going to do with him tomorrow morning when we're having our family Christmas you know I, I had a lot of thoughts like that mm-hmm. and it took me a whole a whole long time to process it and to really think a lot about it and you gave me the opportunity to to not only process it in by writing about it in your column but also to to give my husband the gift of letting him know that I really did there were a lot of parts of me that really did look up to him and and it was it was a very special gift how do you think so. you got to to the point where you were able to to process it enough and write it out enough in this in this little story um, that you were able to process it enough that you could say to him, um, I don't even know, were you saying I forgive you or was it more of just a, gosh, I see my own limitations and I'm glad that we're a mm-hmm. team? Yeah, and saying uh, even though I was uh, as mad as I was, I really look up to you and admire. You. I, 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 I'm sorry that I would ever try to squelch this side of you. Mm-hmm. Um, that I really do, um, I really do look, look uh, admire that part of him. Um, I think I got there honestly, Nicole, because I met you, and be- because I think that I have always been a, a kind person, and I have always wanted to be nice, and and well, in my adult life, we'll say. <laughs> Me too, I, I sister. Do, I do feel that I, I have never – I've always wanted the best for people and, and to, to try to do good if I could. However, when I met you, I did understand that it can be more intentional and and that that really is a gift in itself. And so I think that that just reading your columns and talking, having conversations with you and, and, and feeling the gifts that we were feeling from our mutual friends, um, I really was able to, to be more – thoughtful about it and intentional about it. And so it was, um, and I've always enjoyed writing and and it's always been a great way for me to process. Um, So it just kind of all came together. Well, I'm so glad to hear that because I do believe that kindness is contagious, but sometimes I feel like I make that up. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so. I don't think so. That we can, you know, it's, we do life together and then all of a sudden it just becomes more fun. And if we add in some some intentional, systematic kindness along the way, then uh-huh. it becomes life-changing, not mm-hmm. just for us, but for the people around us, mm-hmm. um, the people who help us and who we help, and then also the people who maybe see it and observe it. Absolutely. And, yeah. Anything else I haven't asked you about that you want to share? Any other fun stories or anything? Um, 
I think the only th- I was just kind of thinking of, since we were talking about being courageous in the classroom, I was just kind of thinking of a story. Um, lots of just different examples of, of teachers being kind in the classroom, and I think the one that stands out to me is that. So a lot of times around Christmas, a lot of teachers will get together and we'll adopt a family and we'll make we'll find out what they want for Christmas. And, you know, um, sometimes you have to be sneaky about this because we don't want to embarrass anybody and we definitely don't want to put anybody on the spot or, you know, um, put anybody in a position where, where maybe the parents feel like they've been one-upped or anything like that. So mm. um, we somehow came up with a wish list from, from some students. And one student in particular had um, wrestling shoes on his list. And we just could not figure out what his shoe size was. And this was literally, <laughs> I mean, the only thing on this kid's list. And so we have part of the responsive classroom model is a share time every morning. Part of the morning meeting is that you, everybody has a share. And so her, um, the teacher had the share that day. Everybody had to share their shoe size. <laughs> <laughs> And that's how we found out, you know, uh, what we what shoe size, what shoes to get him. So it was it was really neat. That's awesome. Sometimes example. you have to be, you know, a little clever and yeah. a little sneaky, right? And yeah. <laughs> but in the process of knowing that we were going to do this podcast, I mean, I can just there are so many examples of, of I can think of of teachers being kind to my kids to to each other to you know as simple as you know buy you know the materials that they buy and all the things that they do and the, the way that they really just make things happen no matter what they're given. And and so... So if that's yeah. what teachers do, then what can we as the community and as parents do to support that? Any quick tips? Oh, I think that just ask how you can help. Ask if there's wish lists. Ask, ask if you can volunteer. I mean, I know you've been in the classroom several times to speak about kindness and, you know, that really makes a difference. They don't always want to hear our voice and they love to see their parents come in. They love to see your face in the schools. And, and so just be a part of just become a part of the community I love to see your face in the school so even when my kids graduate from that school I'm still coming back so I I hope so (laughs) (laughs) thanks Liz thank you you can connect with Liz at coppertopin.com thanks for listening to the kindness podcast it is produced by WOUB public media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich I'm Nicole Phillips we hope you'll subscribe to the kindness podcast on iTunes Google Play or NPR One (laughs) 